1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Oh, there's one way I wish I was more like Joe Biden. Did you see our president yesterday at the uh, climate summit in Glasgow? Closed his eyes. Mm -hmm. Opened them again. And then they were closed for 20 seconds. Now, true confession. Bruce Hooley show all about truth. That's happened to me a time or 10 in church services. Not in my current church, Pastor Rob. Of course not in there. But... I'm gonna say, I'll get the ruling of Aaron Light, producer of the Bruce Wheelie Show, in addition. I'm gonna say if you're sitting in a room and they're talking and your eyes are shut for twenty consecutive seconds, you have fallen asleep. Do you agree or disagree? Uh well, you've never heard of resting your eyes? Twenty consecutive seconds, and then a guy comes up, because I think somebody saw him across the room, some of the eighty-five. People, 85, motor ca- 85 car motorcade he needs to transport his entourage, not a leaving a carbon footprint, but a carbon cannonball on uh, Glasgow. Somebody walked over to him like, hey, hey, hey. And he woke up. 20 seconds, and then he opened his eyes. Are you saying you believe it's possible he was not actually asleep? It's possible. <laughs> Is it probable? <laughs> Well, I didn't see the uh, the head nod, the the head drop. Oh. That's the that's the telltale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so by Deflate Gate standards, Aaron is saying it's more probable than not that he was awake. I'm going to say yeah, okay. barely. <laughs> you, you truly are a Christian man. You think the best of everyone. Because I'm saying he was stone cold out. Oh, so I wish I could be like that during the break, but I wouldn't want to miss the opening of the noon segment on the Bruce Hooley Show, because we have important things to play for you. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia. Now, he's he's in a... I don't know if he's in a tough spot or a great spot, right? He has more power than every other Democratic senator except Kristen Cinema Sin- Because... <laughs> All the other wackos are going to vote together. So Manchin being apart from the group and holding up the uh, Break America Forever bill, that's a more accurate name for the Build Back Better, Break America Forever, uh, Manchin yesterday went public with what he won't pay for. And I love him saying the, the truth out loud in that they do all kinds of mathematical machinations to make it seem less costly than it really is. But here's Joe Manchin. Now, listen, he's, listen closely. Does he explain on merit why he is against voting for this spending package?
2: Throughout the last three months, I've been straightforward about my concerns that I will not support a reconciliation package that expands social programs and irresponsibly adds to our $29 trillion in national debt that no one seems to really care about or even talk about. Nor will I support a package that risks hurting American families suffering from historic inflation. Simply put, I will not support a bill that is this consequential without thoroughly understanding the impact that it will have on our national debt, our economy, and most importantly, all of our American people. Every elected representative needs to know what they are voting for and the impact it has, not only on their constituents, but the entire country. That is why we must allow time for complete transparency and analysis on the impact of changes to our tax code and energy and climate policies to ensure that our country is well-positioned to remain the superpower of the world while we inspire the rest of the world towards a cleaner environment. And this all can be done. I, for one, won't support a multi-trillion dollar bill without greater clarity about why Congress chooses to ignore the serious effects of inflation, and debt that have on our economy and existing government programs.
1: So that sounded like a pretty fact-based opposition to the spending bill. But Joe Manchin's a white male, so what does he know? Cory Bush, a representative, not a not a not a senator, one of four thirty-five, not one of a hundred. Cory Bush says this. I would like for your hubris detector and your zealotry detector to be activated as I read her statement. Joe Manchin does not get to dictate the future of our country. I do not trust his assessment of what our communities need the most. No, but Cory Bush gets to dictate. And you're supposed to trust Cori Bush's instinct on what communities need the most, but not Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin can't be right, Cori Bush says, because Joe Manchin's opposition to the Build Back Better Act is anti-black, anti-child, anti-woman, and anti-immigrant, she said. You see, you cannot disagree in the Congress, in your local school board, you cannot disagree anymore on merit. Merit is not a part of the argument. Common sense is not a part of the argument. Physical responsibility is not a part of the argument. Those are all things that used to be part of the argument. Now it's not about policy. It's about feelings. But people want free money. People want this. They feel like this. They think this. They're afraid of the climate. Ah, ah, Is any of it proven? No. Is any of it? Mathematically necessary, physically responsible? No. But you can't don't no. You're making you're making a purposeful argument. You're only allowed to make moral arguments. And this is not just true, as I said, it's not just true in Congress. It's true in school boards. See, when you teach the teacher, when you when you advocate as a school board candidate that teachers ought to oh, what? Teach? Teach? Not indoctrinate. You become very controversial. Diana Rigby is running for school board in Dublin. She has found this out. She's found it out the hard way. It's funny. I ran into a friend of mine at church on Sunday. And I said, hey, you live in Dublin. You're going to vote for Diana Rigby. He goes, you know what? I am going to vote for Diana Rigby. Because not because you told me to. Because she came to my door and she introduced herself. And I was talking to her. He goes, she seems like a really nice lady. I said, oh, really? Really? She seems like a really nice lady? She doesn't seem like a white supremacist? She doesn't seem like a racist? She doesn't seem horrible, awful, terrible. He said, no, she, she's very nice, very personable, very open. Yeah, she is. But that's not how a lot of the residents of Dublin are painting her and Sherry Stryker. Oh, they had the temerity to accept a $10,000 campaign donation. Do you think there are other... Opposing candidates would not have accepted that same donation from a private citizen who wants to get them elected to the school board. Hello, that's why you give money to candidates. Here's Diana Rigby talking about what she's faced as a candidate.
3: We are so divided, as you know. As a community, we're very divided. And I think sometimes people just take that political divide, and that's all they need. And they run with it, and they don't want to get to know the person at all. And that's certainly been the case. But I can tell you what I bring to the board is, is a perspective I have two sons who recently have graduated from Dublin they both have taken very different pathways upon graduation and I think it's just crucial to these children that they understand that yes Dublin provides a world class education and for that you know parents move from all over to to send their kids to Dublin schools it's fantastic but the you know the other side to that that I really want to explore is how do we help these kids find their lane Because not every child is going to be a 36 ACT, a 1600 SAT kind of kid. I would like to see Dublin work toward finding the pathways that work for each individual student. That's really what I'm in this race for. I'm in it for the students first. I'm not in it to bring politics into the classroom. There's plenty of that going on already, and parents are upset about it. And I'm in it to bring a voice to our parents. As you know, we are getting shut out of these meetings. We are being labeled as domestic terrorists for wanting a say in our kids' education, and I think that is completely wrong. Parents have a right and a role in their child's education, and that cannot be silenced. You know, if that makes me villain number one, then I'll I'll, I'll take it.
1: See, that's a courageous person. That's a caring person. That's a compassionate person. That's a passionate person. That's an energized person, and that's a person who deserves your vote in Dublin. Are you afraid of your kids being prioritized no matter what their test score, no matter what their natural gifts are academically? Are you afraid of that? Why would you be afraid of that? That's what you want. That's somebody who's expressing the same genuine care and concern for your kid as an individual that you have. So I advocate for Diana Rigby, and I advocate for Sherry Stryker in Dublin, just like I advocate for Felicia Castle and Jennifer Foyt in Tangi and other school board candidates that I've introduced you to, and I will reintroduce you to as the Bruce Willey Show continues. The early voting was robust in the state of Ohio. Secretary of State Frank LaRose says that 377,400 Ohioans have already cast their ballots before polls open at, what, 6 a.m. today? 6.30 a.m. today? They're open until 7.30 tonight. Uh 173,000 people cast their ballot early in person. Uh, absentee ballots and early in-person ballots, 57,000 more than at the same point in the 2019 election. Okay, so I hate this. 57,000 people, 17, well, actually 18% more people voted early than at the same point in 2019. Now, 2019, they say, because 2019 was not a presidential election year, and this is not a presidential election year, so it's an off-year election. But what is indisputable from this is early voting is becoming more prevalent. I know I'm get-off-my-lawn guy on this. The right to vote is something people literally have given their life for. And I do not think it is too much to ask people today in a society where we can, many of us, work remotely or where it is very common, very common, for people to have multiple weeks of vacation to go and show up and vote in person on election day. It is a way to observe the fact that this is a priority. I understand it's a privilege to vote. I do not subscribe to the theory that we have to make it convenient for everyone and we have to make it easy for everyone because in making it easy and convenient for everyone, we make it easy and convenient for them to cheat. So, of course, Democrats support this because if you are of a mind to cheat, then you do not have respect for the values of our country. You are a person much more inclined to support defunding the police than you are a person who would extol the sacrifices of the U.S. military, both currently and in the past. So I am highly skeptical and dead set against early voting and absentee voting and mail-in voting and anything other than showing up and standing in line and casting your ballot. A, because it shows you appreciate the right to do it, the ability to do it, the the responsibility to do it. And it also shows that. It matters enough to me as a citizen that I want to make it as easy as possible to prevent cheating. Look, here's what's going to happen tonight in Virginia. Whoever wins this election, there is going to be from the McAuliffe side or the Yunkin side, maybe not out of the candidate's mouth, although so it's much more likely with McAuliffe than it is with Yunkin, the insinuation or the accusation that there was some kind of Voter fraud, cheating, dirty dealing, dirty tricks, something. I know it's become such a common occurrence that we just assume it's going to happen and we don't even really pay much attention to it when it does happen. And that is supremely dangerous for our country. You grew up like I did hearing about, oh, you know, hey, the election in this country or that country or whatever. And we go, oh, yes, you're right. Election. (laughs) We do not want to get to the point. We cannot, cannot get to the point where our elections are routinely impugned simply because our side didn't win. I'm not making any comment about whether I think the election of Joe Biden was fiddled with, contrived. I think there are many, many weird circumstances that applied to that election that never applied before. I don't recall, hey, there's a water main break. We're going home. We're not going to count the ballots anymore. Eh, you Republican observers, go home. And then the ballot counting continued. Yeah, call me a conspiracy theorist if I think that's crazy. You only get to play that card once, though, Georgia. We're not going to fall for that again. But the larger point here is voting should matter enough to you to do it in person on the day it's designated to be done. If only for the fact that it much more greatly enhances the legitimacy of the election just does and that's important that is exceedingly important so i know you have to work out of town or you got to do this or you got to do that it's inconvenient for me to vote but i am a traditionalist when it comes to why our country's great what made it great and what will keep it great and if you've got to make a little bit of a sacrifice, take a half a day off work or take an entire day off work or skip this or skip that to vote, well, I just would say, do you like being free? I don't mean like free under a Biden administration with the shelves empty and the borders open and the ships parked in the harbor and our allies thinking that we're either feckless or cowardly or stupid. I mean like really free back when we were, you know, great. So come on. Like, get out there and vote and encourage your fellow citizens to vote and to do it the right way and to do it on the day it's supposed to be done. Now, our number is 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. Anne in Worthington has a thought she would like to share. Hello, Ann. Welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show.
3: Hi. This morning at 6.30 a.m., I went to vote, and it took over an hour, not because there was a line of people, there were a half dozen, Um, It was because I was the first person who wanted an actual paper ballot. Everyone else did it electronically. And this year they have a new machine to print paper ballots on the spot. The paper was put in wrong initially. It took an hour to figure this out. The paper was put in wrong. There's a perforated edge, and they rip off the code that links your name to this ballot, and then it's detached from your ballot, so there's nothing on the ballot now that directly connects it to you, for sure. so the anonymity. But the paper was put in backwards, so the perforation was at the wrong end. It took an hour to figure it out. So for an hour I stood there, hoping I was not going to be late for work, um, just trying to get my ballot in.
1: Well, and, and I awful. love – it is awful, but I will tell you this. I love that you started this conversation by saying, I got to vote. You understand the privilege of it. And that you were persistent in doing it. So good for you.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.